Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You can watch us simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline 706-0111, We uh, have planned our weekly um, talk with UL softball coach Jerry Glasgow about 1035. We also have... Last week, we spoke to Cajun Offensive Coordinator Tim Leger. Now, today, in the next segment, um, we plan on talking to Defensive Coordinator Lamar Morgan. So, look forward to that. In and around that, we're going to talk about the happenings that are going on. And uh, since... I left the show yesterday around 11, a lot of big Saints news. One of them, a little bit of a surprise, but not really because we were talking yesterday or the day before about how, you know, it just they need to get a veteran backup quarterback. Personally, I prefer Trevor Simeon to Andy Dalton. Um, but the truth is Andy Dalton is a veteran. He fits the mold. I'm, um, I don't know. The money was not that different. I don't know why they didn't just sign Trevor Simeon. I I don't get that, but anyway, they, they got a veteran backup. So that is what it is. Hopefully Jameis stays healthy, but we, we will see. Obviously, the big news and one that if you've been listening to the show, I've been throwing out hints that I, I I have a bad feeling it's about to happen, and it has officially happened. Malcolm Jenkins is retired from the NFL, and so I, I can't believe this has caught the Saints totally off guard. Um, I don't believe that it did. So, um, you know, I have how have their discussions gone with Tyron Matthew or any other safety that's still available? I've been trying to find the list of safeties that are still available. I haven't been able to do that, but um, we know Tyron Matthew is the name that a lot of people have been discussing in these parts for, you know, a month or so or longer. So how much money will he want? Can they make that happen? Um, you know, again, that could be a huge benefit of them not getting Deshaun Watson in that they freed up all this cap money, theoretically, we don't even really know that for sure, but I guess theoretically to make that possible, and now they have some money under the cap to maybe make some things work. So perhaps this would be one of them. Also, remember last week, when I um, kind of started talking about the draft for the first time, I said even then, without knowing for sure that Malcolm Jenkins was retiring, but but suspecting that maybe he would, um, 
said that the, even though we've all most of our conversations been about wide receiver and offensive tackle, and again, the more day, the more that time goes on, I don't think they're going to pick an offensive tackle in the first round. Most, well, I don't know about most. I, I saw another draft last night, mock draft that had the Saints picking an offensive tackle in the first round. We've seen a lot of them at offensive tackle. A lot, you know, wide receiver. And they still got these people that talk about, look, the fact that they sign Andy Dalton, whatever you think of him. Again, I'm not, I wanted a veteran backup quarterback. And and he's not the one that would have been my number one or number two on my list. But he's a veteran backup quarterback. So, again, I... I'm I'm not jumping for joy over it, but but he fits the bill. He's a veteran backup quarterback, which is what I want. I want someone that if Jameis gets hurt, he's not going to come into the game and you're going to have to treat him with kid gloves and he's going to be all panicky. The guy's been playing in the league forever. He's not going to be panicky. So um, you don't want – it's not about ceiling. I don't want to – I don't want a backup quarterback with a high ceiling. I want a backup quarterback who's mature that can come into a tough situation and not have to look at him like he's some JV quarterback. And so he fits that bill, even though he's not my favorite guy. But, um, but they're not the point of they're not going to pick a quarterback in the first round. Can people stop saying that? It's just hopefully that will put that silliness to bed. You know, they they um, you can argue they have needs at offensive tackle. You can argue they have needs at wide receiver. And as I suggested last week, I, I think safety's the dark horse position. Now, they're at a tricky spot at 18 because for that position, because I don't think Hamilton will fall. I really don't, although safeties do fall. Safeties do falls at times, historically. A lot of times, actually, historically. So I really don't think Hamilton's going to be there. And it 18 might be too high for the next to drive. Not really. Like, a lot of people have Hill. Uh, who's not as, like, Hamilton's a big guy. He's more like a, a bigger, physical, intimidating kind of safety. Uh, Daxon Hill from Michigan is more of a, a little bit more of a speed guy. Um, theoretically, you wouldn't it wouldn't be a reach. The next guy is Lewis Seen from Georgia. He's more of a bottom of the first round, top of the second round in most mock drafts you see. So it might be considered a little bit of a reach. But but uh, but uh, if you remember last week, I said safety is kind of the dark horse position. I'd be surprised if they picked any other position in the first round. And normally we're like, you know, the Saints, who knows what they're going to do. They could do anything. And, again, we should never be surprised if the Saints pick an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman. I just think this is the year where they've got to pick wide receiver in the first round. Um, 
Obviously, when the Sears catalog guy was a huge part of this decision-making process, you know, Casper the Quitter, um, trading up was a big deal. I just... I think you got four picks in the top three rounds. I think you need to pick four good football players. I I, I just, where they are right now. I, I just, I'm not, I, while having Kyle Hamilton on my team or having Chris Olave on my team seems very important right now, I just don't know whether you want to trade up to get him. And again, so much of that is just going to be a draft day decision because this draft is really, like all drafts are unpredictable. This draft is the most unpredictable draft I can I can remember. Since that one where when Fisher and them guys were, at least since that one. Again, if you are going into a draft and you really don't know, have a really good idea who the number one, two, and three guys are going to be, and there's a pretty big difference of opinion there. If, if we're struggling with one, two, and three, how in the world are we going to predict 15, 16, 17, 18? We don't even know who one, two, and three are. Um, it is, um, hmm, a little iffy. And so, I mean, if both Ohio State guys go in the first round before 18, which, look, I really hope at least three quarterbacks. I think the saving grace for the Saints, hopefully, and again, we have another month to talk about this about, or inside of a month, just inside of a month. I think what the Saints need to hope for is that there's a quarterback and cornerback run. There are about four corners that could be legitimately picked before the Saints pick. So we need, uh, what the Saints need is for at least three and hopefully four cornerbacks and quarterbacks be picked before 18. So they have a better chance of getting the um, the wide receiver that they want. You know, the more you read, and it, again, it's just talk. It's just talk. But the more you look and read, I think Burks is falling. We don't know what the Saints think of him, but I think he's falling. Um, most It would not shock me if Burks is picked in the second round. There are a couple of hot shot wide receivers that people have in the second round that, you know, it would not shock me at all if the Saints like. Really, it wouldn't. And so I I, I think the, the the confirmation that Jenkins has is retiring, has is decided to retire, you know, I think makes the safety dark horse statement a little more something to consider and delve into again I don't know what they think of Hill I don't know if he's the kind of he's more of a speed safety than a rangy guy um so you know they're gonna have to hopefully they can sign a veteran in free agency I think to be safe what they need to do is hopefully they can 
re-signed P.J. Williams. I've always thought, or I've thought for a long time, that P.J. Williams is more of a safety than a cornerback. Plus, he knows the defense. Um, and he can have he's not he can't be a great cover corner, but for a safety he would have he would have good coverage skills and the size and hitting ability. So hopefully they can sign a veteran and re-sign another veteran safety and re-sign PJ Williams. That becomes priority number one between here and the draft to me. If they can, they need to because you got to have options. Now the other wild card in this whole deal is. Um, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, maybe you can tweak the role that he has if you need to a little bit. You know, he's kind of the in-between, he's kind of the hybrid safety or whatever word you want to use, kind of in-between a guy placed in a line of scrimmage, which I think is his strength, but maybe maybe you can tweak his position a little bit. But I think re-signing P.J. Williams, you don't want Sorensen to have to play a lot of safety, can play a little safety. But you don't you want him to be like they said, Jeff Heath. Uh, um, but again, you, you to do that, you got to sign at least one, if not two, safeties to to make that happen. So they certainly have some more work to do. But fortunately, um, you know they on paper anyway they have a little money to play with, and hopefully they can make that happen. So we'll see. Um. Forget about quarterback in the first round. Forget about quarterback in the second round. That's not happening. Not happening. All these silly predictions can go away. Um, but I would not rule out safety in the first round. Would not rule it out. All right. We'll take a timeout and come back, and we'll shift gears a little bit to Cajun football. Talk to Cajun defensive coordinator, Lamar Morgan next on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Which NFL MVP annoys Kevin Foote the most? Who is Aaron Rodgers? He's the most arrogant athlete I've ever seen. I think he's really, to his core, that arrogant. He really believes, why in the world are you even speaking to me? You are a lower form of human being. That kind of arrogance is what I'm talking about, and I think that's who Aaron Rodgers is. That is correct. Now, back to more footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Before we get to our special guest, just want to remind you, time is running out. If you want to see or win a family pack of four tickets to see the Harlem Globetrotters six days from now, next Tuesday, April 5th, in the Cajun Dome, you need to text Trotter to 68683. Text Trotter to 68683. You might win a family pack of four tickets to see the Harlem Globetrotters in the Cajun Dome thanks to the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. All right, we have with us 
UL defensive coordinator, Lamar Morgan, and there's a lot of college football coaches in the country, but I can't believe there's too many more excited about the upcoming football season and going through spring practice right now than Coach Morgan. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm doing good, man. Really excited about our players here. They're working really hard. Staff's coming together. Just really excited about the opportunity. All right, so for those that don't know, Coach Morgan uh, played here. He coached here previously, and now he's back. When Coach Dez got the job, you know, they were teammates together all not all that long ago uh, for the Cajuns, and and now they're working together as head coach and defensive coordinator. Um, Obviously, um, that adds to it, Coach, but uh, just coming back to uh, where you played has to be exciting in itself. Yeah, you know, I really love this place. I think it was a place that was able to mold me as a, uh, you know, as a person. Um, you know, I was able to, you know, reach all my goals uh, from here, you know. And, I, you know, I met a really, you know, a great group of coaches that were mentors to me moving forward and then a great group of uh, teammates that are still friends to this day. So I think it's always special for a coach to come back to where he played. I was able to do that and then, now I get an opportunity to come back and coordinate where I played. I think that's even that's even more exciting. All right. To me, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of things have stayed the same, but a lot of things have changed since last year on paper. So one of the things that, that was pretty evident over the last two to three years especially is that the unquestioned leader of the football team was quarterback Levi Lewis and the quarterback being the leader of the team is not a new dynamic but with Levi gone now uh you look around uh I don't know that there is a quote unquote you know it'd be hard for a new quarterback to be the unquestioned leader it seemed like the the top candidates could be actually on the defensive side have you ever been on a team where the le- one or two leaders of the team were on the defensive side of the ball? Uh, well, you know, I, I think the thing that we do here, we have like leadership council, right? We have a group of guys that are the leaders of the team and they meet with Coach Dez, uh, you know, once a week. Uh, so I think, you know, leadership is always at like class level to me, like freshmen, sophomores, juniors, seniors. And then I think you have a couple guys that are probably like they've been here the longest you know, people see those guys as like elite leaders. They've been there, done that. So I do agree with you. We have a couple guys on defense. You look at Eric uh, at corner. He's been here a really long time. He has done a great job for us. You look at Andre Jones. He's been here a long time. And we also have a couple guys that's played a lot of reps that are just vocal leaders, like the inside linebackers, Trahan. Uh So I think there's a lot of guys that played here a long time. You know, I think the thing with us here that people kind of forget, a lot of people had, like, super seniors during this COVID year. They had all the seniors. Well, actually, here, we really had a lot of our players that were playing. They were really uh, super juniors. So you look at our juniors, the two kids that we had go to the combine, those two guys technically could have came back. Percy and Max, they actually could have played another year here. So I think our junior class is really, really strong. Uh, And then COVID hit, and then a lot of those guys are back this year. So – we just have a lot of guys, honestly, that played a lot of fo- uh, football here. You know, they kind of know the system, know what we're doing. They know how practice is. You know, they kind of took the lumps from growing up. And I think they've been a great mentor. So, I think that – I do agree with you. You know, Levi's a special kid. I saw him at practice the other day and gave him a uh, – you know, gave him a hug and he was asking about my family. But, you know, it's hard to replace a guy like Levi. This guy's like a coach. You know, like, I mean, he's the actual coach. He knows exactly what he's supposed to do all the time. He knows the pulse of the team. 
You know, he has everybody respect, and I think that's what spring ball is about in the summer. It's really about – and then fall camp, right? So I do agree with you. I mean, it's really hard to place a guy like Levi, uh, but I do think we have some guys on defense that kind of know what we want to do here, know the program, you know, know how we do things, and is trying to, you know, uh, kind of push everything forward. Yes, sir. Um. All right. So – when Coach Leger and Coach Dez have kind of talked about some of the technical changes that are being made, more behind-the-scenes stuff on the offensive side, really having to do with quarterback decision-making and such, on the defensive side, going from Coach Tony to yourself, are, are more of the changes that are being made kind of more like similar to that behind the scenes stuff or like that fans may or may not notice when when the games start or or how uh talk about that situation okay uh you know uh, I, I think that's a great that's a great comment and that's a great question right so to me I want to run a lot of the same defense really you know I believe in this defense I was here for two years we had a lot of success here. And then, you know, Coach D'Onofrio, who I work with at Houston, he ran very similar defense. It's in the all-same family, right? So it's the same fronts. It's the same calls as last year. You know, the defense is the same as last year. Now, the way that I call it might be different than Coach Tony calls it or it might be different than Coach Roberts calls it, but it's the same family and it's the, it's the belief. You know, this is what I would say, right? You know, when you're a coach, you move around a lot. You have all these different jobs, and it's kind of like a base defense that – it's kind of like your foundation that you always come back to when you comment on kind of what you have learned or what you believe in. And it's always this system that they ran last year. So to me, I think one of the parts of that's really interesting here is that I didn't want to come here and change all the verbiage and the calls that we already run. So there might be one or two new wrinkles that we put in that you have to come up with new calls, but the majority of the defense, 90, 95% of the defense is what we ran last year what we ran, you know, since we've been here. So um, I think the thing that's different is you just get different guys playing different positions and moving guys around, right? I think the NFL does the best job of it, right? You put players in positions and make plays. I think sometimes in college we just say we're just going to run the system and that's where it's at. So I think the difference this year, uh, what I'm trying to do is just move different people around, have different guys learn different positions, but it's the same defense. So just kind of highlighting people's skill set, uh, seeing what they can do. If there's a guy that can drop, there's a guy that can cover, there's a guy that can blitz, how many different ways that we can get these guys to perform and impact the game. And I think that's what the NFL does the best. Then you can kind of maybe like a college game, right? You watch the Chiefs, Ty Hill, when he was there, um, he's all around the field, right? So on defense, is there a guy or two that we have that can, that can play slot cover, that can blitz? that can play outside, like how many spots can we, can this guy actually do? If he can't do it, let's find a guy that can or just limit those roles, if that makes sense. So that, that's what I would say that's different uh, that I that I want to do here. Speaking with UL defensive coordinator Lamar Morgan. All right, so who will be the primary, like, play callers on defense this season, or, or are you still kind of working through that? You're talking about like who's the the inside linebackers or like what yeah, is the, like the, the guy that's giving the communication? Right, correct. Okay, awesome. So I think at linebacker right now we're probably six deep that I feel like that can help us play the game here. I think on defense here, I think guys will see this is there'll be a lot of players that been here for a long time. Coach Napier and the staff, 
um, and and us when we were here before because I was only gone one year. I think we recruited a really you know a really stout group of kids. So I think there's a lot of guys. The slogan around here is "Work while you wait." So we have a lot of guys that's been working, getting a lot of reps, but they just haven't got a lot of playing time on game day. So you look at Farad and Lorenzo that was here last year. Those guys had 100 tackles. Now we have Chris Moncrief, we have Quibido, you know, we have Jasper, we have KC, we have Caleb, we have uh, Gant. We have all these guys that's been here. They may, you know, their role might have been, you know, a 10-play guy, 15-play guy, 20-play guy. Now those reps are going to be divided between those guys. So I feel like at linebacker we have a lot of different guys that can play uh, really in a lot of different places. You know, I think we have two to three deep spots that I think that can really help us. So, you know, I was big on this in my family. You know, I started under James Franklin at uh, Vanderbilt. We went nine and four two years in a row. And the one thing he used to always talk about, you know, I know the Warriors talked about it, but strength in numbers. We want to play as many guys as we can that can impact the game. We don't want to play a guy if he can't impact the game. So when he's ready, we'll be ready. We don't want to play him a down before he's ready. But we do want to play a lot of guys. Um, you know, so our guys can play fresh. And in the fourth quarter around here, that's when we kind of take over the game. So I do think that's our advantage. We have a lot of guys that played a lot of reps. We need to continue to develop our roster on defense. So, uh, you know, we still have Traham. We still have Campy in the secondary. We still have Quibido. We still have Moncrief. We have these guys that have played a lot at those positions. And I just think the backups are guys that we're really excited about, but I don't think the fans know that much about them yet. But I think they will this fall. All right, we're, what we're going to do is take our first time out. When we come back, I want to get into you. You mentioned a few names there. I want to get into a couple key players and key positions that uh, I have questions about and how things are going to work out on the defense this year. Again, we're speaking with UL defensive coordinator Lamar Morgan. We'll take a time out. Come back with more with Coach Morgan uh, next on the game. One hundred three seven Lafayette, one hundred four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Do your loved ones run for cover when watching a game with you? Then Footnotes is the show for you. Time for more Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. To footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We are chatting with UL defensive coordinator Lamar Morgan, trying to find out a little bit about what's going on with practice, but really looking forward to how the team is being built on the defensive side with an eye on the um the fall regular season, obviously. All right, coach. I want to start with the safety position. I've been a I think safety position was an undervalued position in football for a long time, and I think it's been one of the strengths of this team uh, during this incredible run that the Cajuns are having. You, 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 I was a huge fan of Percy Butler in terms of what he did, not just in special teams, but on defense. And then you had an experienced guy like Cam Solomon isn't there. You mentioned, you know, Cam Podesclo was very impressive. He's back, and Braylon Charles made a lot of plays, and and he's back. But y'all, like as you mentioned, y'all are a team that likes to play a lot of guys, not just two starters that play every down. So, tell us about a few, two or three of the guys who are going to be getting a lot more playing time, and what kind of what do they bring to the table at safety? All right, awesome. I'm glad you asked that, right? So, uh, there's a kid named Jaron Wilson. Uh, I know y'all see him on special teams. He's freaking fast as I don't know what. He has elite range. 
He's played corner and nickel when I was here, uh, but he's going to end up playing some free safety for us. So Jabron Wilson is a special team ace for us here. You know, this is his senior season. I think he earned the right to add more playing time the way that he plays. He'll be another guy that's going to play uh, some high safety for us. We have uh, Tyrone Lewis that came from um, Kansas State that's here. He's a veteran player that played some. Uh, he didn't play a lot last year, but he's a guy that's going to play a lot to the boundary. He's smart enough to play left and right. I think he's done a really good job uh, just being physical and being able to be commun- you know, be a, a lead communicator back there. And then another guy that I'm really fired up about is, you know, uh, Tyree Skipper from New Orleans. Uh, you know, he hurt his leg his senior year in high school. So last year he really didn't play. Uh, and then this year I think he's going to have a role. You know, I think he's, you know, he's long, he's rangy, he's new to the position, but he has a lot of qualities that I think guys will be fired up with, you know. He can really put his foot in the ground and go. So I think those are three guys that you can kind of highlight um, that are going to be able to, you know, try to impact the game. Um, and then, you know, at, you know, we, we at the nickel spot, we have uh, Brandon Bishop that played a lot last year. Uh, we have um, uh, Patrick Menta that's kind of earned his way around here to get more playing time. And then we have Cortland Flowers. Those three guys that play uh, Apex, you know. Now, we do have veteran players here. Uh, what I mean by that is, you know, during spring ball, I'm not having guys play apex and high. I try to give guys one position and let them kind of like master that in the spring. I think in the summer when they're on their own and they're working, I think you can give guys a position and a half where they can play a couple plays, you know, being able to cross train guys. But right now we've been able to just kind of let guys focus on one spot and kind of doing that. You know, I'll give you an example. Campodesco has played nickel, high safety to the field and boundary. Uh, and bit, and um, and Trahan has played left and right. So those guys are really smart. So what I really want to do is, you know, when you have a veteran player, you can put those guys at one position and let the other guy play closer to you if you can to help them out. And so you're not really cross-training. The guy has to know left and right. So we got some guys in the room that can play left and right. Some guys need to play field. Some guys need to play boundary. And that's 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 my job to make sure we put the guys in the right position to play fast. So you mentioned what I uh, you use a different term, but what I what what, what we have been learned, like called the star position, like a Jalen Johnson uh, or Bishop played. Are all those guys interchangeable, or is that what you were just saying? Some of them are interchangeable from like if you had a numbers issue from star to more of you know traditional safety, or are not, or just some of them. Right. So the way we use Jalen Johnson, he was a unique unique guy. So we have a star that's in a, in in my room that meets with the safety, works slot man and stuff like that. And then we also have a guy that's actually an outside linebacker that's a bigger guy that whenever teams go big, we sub them out. So we want to have, you know, we want to have packages that we can play big when they play big and we can play small when they play small. So that's kind of the versatility of doing both. The advantage of Jalen Johnson was, you know, he's 6'2", 210, 215, that he can kind of hold up in 11 personnel and 12. You know, if you have a guy that's a little bigger sometimes – you know, Andre Riley did a great job last year of playing some 21 and 12, being the Sam, the star to the field, if that makes sense. So we're just trying to match personnel. You know, if they give us two and three tight ends, uh, we want to sub. You know, if they give us one tight end, we want to, you know, have our speed to match 11 personnel. So, yeah, so those – so, like, you're exactly right. Sometimes those guys that are playing star and 11, those guys can actually play high safety or boundary safety. Uh, yes, sir, you're spot on with that. 
All right, so some names that we're hearing a lot about. Um, some of them we certainly remember from recruiting uh, situations, but I, I get it, to give us an idea of what their skill sets are, uh, we've, we're hearing a lot about Kendrick Gant and what he can bring, Casey Osai and Jasper Williams. So what are their strengths when they're obviously all going to get playing time, it sounds like, come the fall, assuming everyone stays healthy. So what do those three bring to the table with the linebacker position? All right, so, you know, first of all, let's talk about uh, Jasper. You know, Jasper's been here every season so far. You know, he's a speed guy. He can really run. Uh, so, you know, he had like a hamstring my first year or a groin, but he's all healthy now. So I think I've been really, you know, you know, when you have guys that can really, really run, sometimes the physicality is not where you want it to be. And I think this spring he's really been working on, you know, being able to play runs, not just coming on third down. So I think he's, he, you know, he's, he's, he's been good this spring. He's working hard. You know, being able to play first, second, and third down, not just be a sub-third down guy. You know, Gant didn't play as much last year. I think he has elite burst. Uh, you know, I think he's about 220 pounds right now. So he's able to be the same thing. He has elite speed. He has twitch. Uh, he can cover. Uh, and I think those guys are just getting to learn to play linebacker. You know, sometimes you can get a guy that's more of a box guy and they're just like tackle to tackle or guard to guard, and they're just, you know, the old school Mike that you're used to back in the day. Really, you can't play that way anymore because people are spreading you out in 11 and 12 personnel. you got to have guys that can really run. So I think that's where Gantt gives us, you know, advantage there. You know, I think Casey Osai does it the right way. You know, I think he's, he's big, he's strong, he's physical. You know, he's a great get here right down the street in Houston. You know, his brother played in the NFL, did a great job at Texas. We recruited his brother when I was at Houston and ended up going to HBU. Uh so I just think that family, the kid's a blue-collar kid. He works really hard. He's big and strong. Uh, I think you'll really be excited about him. He's loose-hipped. Uh, I think that room right now has some, you know, we have talent in there. I would say that we have five to six guys that we can play uh, come this fall. And then we have some young guys that, you know, like Caleb, you know, he's supposed to be at prom right now. Edwards right down the street. He's been doing a great job of just being here, learning, being a sponge, learning. I think that's what spring's about. I think spring's about developing players seeing who can really help you, and then seeing on defense, you know, what we need to add to to help our players uh, this summer and this fall. Yes, sir. All right. There are many things that made the last year's team and the and Sunbelt Conference Championship team and the year before team special that didn't even, uh, unfortunately, didn't get a chance to play for the Sunbelt Conference Championship because of the COVID situation. But one of the things I think that really made them unique was Talon Humphrey was a force in the middle on the defensive line. So tell me about Weiser, the junior college uh, kid that you signed to maybe um, fill some of that gap but, but about with Talon or, and, and or who else could maybe be that big run stopper in the middle there. Right. Well, I think, uh, I think we did a great job. I think we're in Louisiana. You got players here, right? You got creatures that are freaking good kids. They're raw. Uh, you know, they might not be as polished, uh, so they might not go to maybe one of these elite 15 schools, but when it becomes that, right now we're in a top, top 20 team here. We're getting players that are really talented. So you talk about, uh, you know, Mason Narcisse played some last year, did a really good job. You have Zion Hill that's really talented, that can play all three spots up front. Uh, you not you got Jaquan Nelson that played last year some. I think he's took a you know step to be an every-down guy changing some bad habits are really like working really, really hard. 
you know, we have Jordan Lawson. That's a young pup that didn't play last year. That's long. He's big and strong. Uh, he's doing a great job. Andre Landry didn't play last year. He played the year before. I think he's a really, really good player that everybody's going to be excited about. Uh, and then, you know, we got Sonny Hazard is going to do things right. He's going to strike. He's a technician. And I think Mason, uh, not Mason, I'm sorry, Wiser can end up being that type of player as well for us. Um, that's that's twitchy. You know, I, you know, I think Taylor Humphrey is a uh, is a unique player, right? I think us and Coastal probably had that one player like that that was a nose-only type guy that could really take over a game. And I think I think there's a niche for that. You know, I think it's really hard to find that kid maybe. I think we got lucky with Taylor. You know, Taylor got here. He didn't really play as much. Luckily, that wasn't his last year. He was able to come back last year. And I think that's when he took strides. So I just think, you know, up front, I think you got to play more guys. Uh, you got to have more depth. And I think that's what we're building this spring. You know, we're not trying to have a guy that has to play 80 plays up front at D-line, right? Like cut that down so when he's in there, he's going full speed. You know, the D-line coach is Dennis Thomas. He's really, really good. He's with Brad Loning at South Carolina when they had Clowney, Melvin Ingram. We worked together for two years at Western Carolina. When we were at Western Carolina. We were at 3-20. and 20. We ended up going seven and five and seven and four two years in a row, which they haven't done in a long, long time. We played a lot of guys and we developed players. So I think you'll be excited about the front. I think you'll really be excited about the front. These guys are, are, are playing well right now. We're playing a lot of guys in spring. Guys are getting a lot of opportunities to showcase what they can do. But yeah, I mean, it's hard to replace Taylor Humphreys. You know, he's a freak of nature. He could play anywhere in the country that runs this type of system. Uh, I think now it's going to be more strength in numbers playing a lot of guys. I think you'll be excited about it. Guys will be fresh. Uh, again, one more. We're speaking with UL defensive coordinator Lamar Morgan. One more thing, Coach. Two years, and some of this is just, you know, you harp and uh, emphasize it as a coach. You know, two years ago, the the, the, sec- the team, did, especially the secondary, did a great job of picking off a bunch of passes. Didn't have quite as many interceptions. But even though you lost a Makai Gardner, it still seems like you got a lot of talent at the cornerback position. Talk about those guys. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, you, you talk about EG. Uh, this guy is probably, you know, I mean, he's a elite field corner in college football. You know, he is twitchy. He has elite breaks. And this guy's a really good player. Uh, we're, we're lucky to have him, you know. And think about it. This kid was a blue shirt kid. was going to Richmond or UT Chattanooga. He ends up coming here. You know, they didn't want him to, uh, you know, in his hometown. He comes here. He's a really good player. You challenge him to be tough, he'll be tough. He's physical. Uh, I, I just think he's a really good player. Uh, and Trey Amos, right down the street, had Tennessee, stayed at home, uh, has a great family. He's a great kid, 3.0 type student. Uh, he's a pro. He's a, he's, a, he's a pro. So, I mean, him and EG, I mean, those are really, really good corners. And you're exactly right. You know, we've been blessed to have really good players here for a long time in the secondary. You know, after that, you have A.J. Washington. That's a really, uh, you know, unique player from Houston. He's super twitchy. Uh, and then I think we have some young guys after that that people don't really know about. You know, the Jalen Clarks that was here. Uh, you know, um, you know we have uh, Amir McDaniel that's played a little bit last year that was here. We got Caleb Anderson down the street that was a quarterback. We have a lot of guys, honestly, that play quarterback that now are playing DB, and it takes them a little bit of time. Coach Burris is doing a great job with his pedigree of playing in the league and then coaching all those uh, DBs at La Tech that went to the, the next level. I don't think you got to realize when you take guys that never played a position, in the end, 
it shows up how good they are, right? Like Trey Amos was a he was just random. He was a he was a quarterback that you know like a glorified running back, uh, and he was it's new position. So guys take growing pains, and it takes them a little bit. But once they get and it clicks, I think that's really good. And I think we have a couple here of guys here that walked on here that in a year or so you're going to be really fired up about them in that room that people don't even know about. Justin Agu uh, is, is doing a great job. We have several players here that former walk-ons that they end up being scholarship players and they impact the game here. I mean, look at Cam Podescalo. I mean, I wouldn't take him. He's a leader and heartbeat of our team. He came in for free and then he earned his way. So that's the unique thing about Louisiana. I mean, we have great players, great high school coaches, great talent, and we're close to everywhere. So I'm I'm excited about the secondary. You know, I think there's a couple holes here and there that we got to fill, uh, and we're trying to do that with our current team and with depth. You know, and just and just try to play more guys and uh, and, and kind of go that route. Yes, sir. All right, sir. We appreciate your time very much. Look forward to watching this defense play again this year, and uh, good luck the rest of the spring. Thank you, sir. Yes, sir. I appreciate you, man. You always do a great job covering us and. Uh, ho- hopefully uh, on defense and offense and as a team, and we make uh, the city proud and uh, all the fans proud. All right. Thank you, Coach Morgan. Appreciate it very much. Yeah. All right. Man can talk just like Coach Leger can. Love talking to assistant coaches. It's one of the reasons why I cannot stand Tugtail. But anyway, that's a whole different story. Love talking to assistant coaches in the springs. the only time we get to do it in – relish relish those opportunities we will take a time out come back finish out the first hour of footnotes on the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana sports station why doesn't kevin foot talk more basketball because it's in the best interest for his health not to discuss basketball. I had to give up basketball to save my life. I cannot take basketball. It's way too subjective. More footnotes coming up on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Want to um, remind you about the ultimate crawfish boil. Brought to you by JJ Exterminating, Kramer Equipment, and Cody's Crawfish. You can win two sacks of crawfish, a pot, a burner, ice chest, tumbler, chairs, $500 Visa gift card and tickets to an Astro game. All you need to do to be eligible to win that prize is go to the website, join the the Game Rewards Club, and you might win the great prize of the Ultimate Crawfish Boil brought to you again by JJ Exterminating Kramer Equipment, Cody's Crawfish, and the Game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles. All right. I thought a very good interview uh, he, he, he does a good, you know, he gives you a lot of information. He talks really, uh, with a lot of intensity and you can tell he really loves his job. Coach Lamar Morgan. Now, again, kind of reading between the lines, as he said, Taylor Humphrey is, a is, a is going to be tough to replace. You know, I think Lorenzo McCaskill was a really good player. 
I think they can replace most of what he does. I think Farad Gardner was a really good player in a great interview. Uh, I think they can replace most of what he does, but I, I think Taylor Humphrey's going to be the one. Man, he's just a unique talent and, and, and run-stopping defensive tackle and guys that you have to you have to double team a lot and they don't always make the play but man they play a huge role in the play being made and so I remember last year I was really worried about the Saints losing their best defensive tackle that was the one I was worried about the most of all the players the Saints lost coming into this past season in the last offseason and they were able to, to 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 do that even though Gus was suspended all those games, but no, that that's going to be the number one thing. Wiser or one of these guys that he mentioned are going to have to step up uh, to not have any kind of a drop off in the run defense because Taylor Humphreys was something. All right, that'll do it for the first hour. We'll come back with our number two. A footnotes on the game: one zero three seven Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You can watch us also simulcast on Stadium 32.3133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. If you have any comments about any of the UL football talk that we had last week with Coach Leger uh, and just now with Coach Morgan, certainly feel free to talk. You know, we haven't really – it's the spring, so – for so many of us, it it seems, you know, we got the Final Four coming up. We've got college baseball and softball going on, which we talk a lot about. We've got in a, all the stuff going on with the NFL. So it seems a little strange maybe talk about college football, but spring football is going on. And, uh, you know, obviously there's a lot of interest in college football. And so we're just trying to set the – and plus it's a year where you have new coaches and a lot of changes. And so – trying to keep up with maybe what to expect um, um, from this year's team. And so look forward to, you know, obviously we'll be talking a lot more college football, Cajuns, LSU, et cetera, in, in August. And once we go to, like, media days in July, but certainly wanted to kind of keep you up to date, give a good glimpse of what the offense looks like, what the defense looks like. Uh, and some of the challenge facing them uh, moving forward. I, I do think the whole leadership thing is fascinating because, you know, I think Zion Hill's one of the prime candidates to maybe be the the new leader. And I, I don't know that you need one leader to, to coach Morgan's point, but I do think leadership is very important in any team. But... um and I think it's best when it comes from the quarterback, but I just don't think that's an option from the quarterback this year. I just think it's got to come from somewhere else. And um, 
I think Zion is would be, you know, if I was going to say, okay, who do you think it's going to be? I, I think it would be Zion, but but we'll see how that plays out uh, moving forward. All right, Cajun baseball. Nice victory last night in Hammond. Three-run homer from Tyler Robertson, which is interesting because, again, he, he – it, we talked about it in the offseason and early in the year. One of his goals was to not swing and miss so much. He's not swinging and missing as much, but his power is going away. But that's he hit a home run at Troy, even though they didn't win the game. And last night he hit a game-tying three-run homer to erase an early 3 to nothing deficit. And then Julian Brock, who's just been just a rock for this team so far this year, hits a two-run homer late that helps him win the game. Keith Hood had two hits, which is good to see him continue to hit. So the Cajuns are back at 500. Again, I know there's some people expect them to win all the time and want them to win all the time, and I get that. But when we looked at the schedule, the beginning of the season, we said, man, this schedule looks tough. If they can be 500 a few you know, once they get through the tough pre-conference schedule and those first two or three series against really good teams, then they'll have a chance to finish strong and really build some momentum. And it's really playing out that way. Last night's win got them to 500 again. Now, again, they got to play. Fortunately, it's at home, but you got to play a really good Georgia Southern team who beat them in the in the semifinals at a conference tournament last year. And who's, you know, off to a really good start again this season. So it's not going to be easy. And um, at all. And but if they can get to, you know, get to 500 after this, after these two Louisiana Tech games, assuming they're playing. um, If they can still be 500, I think this team can really start to make some hay. All right, it is now official. Uh, as we suspected, what all you know, they didn't even have school today in Lafayette Parish. I don't know how many other parishes didn't, but um, as expected, tonight's scheduled game, which was a remake, which was a postponed game redo uh, at UNO, has officially been canceled. So the Cadence will not be playing UNO. There is no makeup date yet. Uh, that I know of, but yeah, it is official that the game. So that five week, that five game week that we talked about, didn't act is not actually going to happen at least this week. Now next week they have another five game week schedule with two games, including a makeup game against the Texas before they go to Arkansas State. So again, for the Cajun baseball team, you, you, you play a really good team, Georgia Southern, over the weekend. And then you play a really good team, at least on paper, schedule. We'll see what the weather says against Louisiana Tech. So if you can go three and two, I don't know if they'll do it. If you go two and three, it's not the end of the world. But if you go three, if you can go three and two in these next five games, the schedule anyway seems to lighten up just a little bit where it's you're not playing a team that on paper is maybe even better than you or at least as good as you are better. I mean, now, you got to 
you know how it goes. Sometimes when you have one of these kind of rugged schedule and then the, the rugged schedule can wear you out to mentally and physically to the point that when the schedule does get a little more doable, a little more to your liking on paper anyway, then you're not really ready to take advantage of it. So it's important that the, that, that doesn't happen to this Cajun team. But again, if they can go three and two, I know some people have been impatient with this season, certain things they don't like. And there's some things about this team that I really think are good, that they do fundamentally very well. Warner Rincones, by the way, did play last night. So that was a good sign. Um, and so he's going to add to the defensive side, and if he can hit it all, then it would be really nice. Kind of Warner Rincones is is kind of like what we're talking about on the softball side with Ari Quinones. Um, was in the mix, good defensive player, was hitting really low, below 100. Both of them very similar. The Warner Rincones situation on the baseball side and the Ari Quinones uh, situation on the um, – on the softball side, they're both starting to hit a little bit, and they give you um, plus defensive play. So if they, there's just some things that the team has done very well. Wrote a column about that last week that makes you think: don't give up on this team yet. Don't think, don't shortchange this team yet because they do enough fundamental things well. I'm talking about the baseball team, that if they could just get a little more pitching than maybe they've been getting a little more consistency, some good things that can happen, and we'll see how um, how that plays out. So, again, that's kind of what I'm looking at. Five games with tonight's game getting postponed. Five games if they can go three and two. Now, if you do even better, obviously. I mean, it's time to dance if you're a Cajun baseball fan. But if if you go three and two over these next five, and you and you're a game over five hundred with the rest of the sketch. Now again, I'm not saying they have a bunch of easy wins. I'm just saying it's it's not as tough as it's been since really the season opened. It's been a really tough schedule. So again, so if you have any comments on that Saints situation, any of this, um, certainly feel free to call the game hotline is seven zero six zero one one one. 706-0111. We have on the game hotline our friend Ralph. How are you, sir? Hey, Kev. How are you, man? Oh, hanging uh, in there, trying to figure it out. What? I didn't sleep too well last night. I, one of the last visions I had before I went to bed was the uh, picture of uh, you, five names, and RP3 with those face tats. And um, I tell you what, brother, uh, it looked like Somebody had stole your plate of spaghetti with corn on top. That mean mug you were giving. Well, here's the way this works. They came to me and said, I had no idea what they were doing. They said, uh, make a mean face. I'm like, what? A mean face? <laughs> and so that's what kind of, that's what happened. They didn't even tell me what they were doing. So I got, I got uh, kind of tricked, but we'll see. That's all <laughs> part of it. Now you get you have the envy now to get a nose ring. Is that oh like in, no, in the please no no sir, no, sir. <laughs> no sir. Now look, I was calling Kev. Uh, I, I didn't get to listen to the first part of the show to get your, your impressions uh, on the Andy Dalton um, uh, signing. Um, you know, I my first thought was very very solid. You know, capable backup that can come in and, and win you a few games. I was 
However, very disheartened this morning to read that hit, signing him could possibly, and well, the contract we signed him to, could possibly void the comp pick we were scheduled to get for Teron Armstead. Yeah, I did. Um, I did read that, but what I don't, I'm not. What I'm not totally clear on. What does the possibly part mean? Like, what do they have to do, or is that based on what he does or how much he plays? Like, what, no, what, I mean it, that's what the. It, it, it is like a little confusing, and and this this guy suppose you know does this for a living. This this uh, 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 guy that project this okay so it, the nfl ultimately decides like they said you know that we were expected to uh to get only a fourth for i forgot who it was uh that we're getting a third for this year and so it's still a league the league decides exactly the compensatory pick he just uses a formula based on kind of what's happened in the past and all but what i don't understand it and what i don't think is fair is that if you're losing a guy who to a to a to a fifteen million dollar year contract, and you sign in a guy to a three million dollar year contract. You know, there there there's three million is the threshold. Once once they're three million or more a year, then it voids. Doesn't matter what the other guy signs for. So, knowing that, you would think the Saints brass front office would, would have been smart enough to work. You know, to work out the contract to where it would be 2.75 or, you know, whatever. Right? Well, and it depends what you mean by the contract because it's $6 million but only three guaranteed. Right. Well, I, I and again, I don't. I didn't – all I saw was when I saw the headline, I, 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 I read through the story real quick this morning. I still have a lot of unanswered. Yeah, yeah just, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how that plays out. Now, yeah. obviously the other big – the bigger news of the day is that Malcolm – as I kind of feared, Malcolm yeah. Jenkins is retired, and and so you know a lot of people wanted the Saints to sign Tyron Matthew, and now they really, really want the Saints to sign Tyron Matthew. Well, he and he that that is the role. You know, they wanted Tyron Matthew to fill Marcus Williams' role, and that that wasn't that's not what he's suited to do. You know, so no, I mean. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, because we don't have PJ Williams even under contract right now, so we we, we definitely and and but man, from what again, I know it's limited sample size. I think he was a special team signing because of losing JT Gray, but I don't want Daniel Sorensen having to be, you know, doing much coverage in the secondary if at all uh, possible. So um, yeah, I mean uh, that's definitely a position that. Uh, but but what I'm hearing is you know Tyron wants so much money that I. Right. I don't know that we're gonna want to, you know, invest that much money in, in, in a guy his, you know, his age. I mean, it would be look, you know, I mean, I know it could be a very popular signing, but I don't know, man. Uh, um, we'll 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 see, you know. But but uh, anyway, I just kind of you know wanted your again. My first impression is that I think I think he's a lot more. I mean, he has more more skins on the wall, let's say, than a. Then, then Simeon did, which, but I was fine with keeping Simeon as my backup. If, my my if first was, impression, to answer your question, is why didn't they just sign Simeon? I, I, I prefer, like maybe four or five years ago, I'd have preferred Andy Dalton, but it seemed like he slipped a little more. So, I, personally, I'd have preferred to have Trevor Simeon. I don't know why they didn't just sign him. I, I don't know what happened there, but, 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 but that's point number one. Point number two is. The, the the objective was to get a veteran backup quarterback. They got that, so I'm okay with it. Yeah, yeah. That, that what's head scratching is yeah. that the Bears end up signing, uh, you know, Simeon to 
two million dollars a year. We pay, you know, we we get the, the right. backup that they didn't why, want. Why? Why? Yeah. Dollars. Why didn't we just? Why, the Saints should have just resigned Simeon. I, I, I'm disappointed and I, in that. But okay. yeah, and I'm not a big a big uh, trust in, in in the Bears' judgment. So so I, I you know, I, I well, you know, I anyway, I. I I was a little confused about that. But, yes. hey, you know, we did need a veteran presence. We still don't know Jameis' health 100%. But everything, I have to say, man, so far I've been really impressed with the way he handled this whole situation with Deshaun Watson. A lot of players would have been boudin and uh, and pouting. And I think um, I think the guy's really matured a lot. You know, so I'm, I'm, he, he, I'm looking he, forward. He absolutely has. He's been – and he – I mean, he's given the Saints three years, basically, of a hometown discount. So the, if this works out, yeah. the Saints are going to own big time. Uh, I, I <coughs> Excuse me. I agree with you. I appreciate it, Ralph. Thanks for the call. Oh, all right, Kev. Take care, man. All right. We'll take a timeout. Come back on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. March 30th, 1976, the New Orleans Saints lose tackle Dave Thompson and running back Morris Legrand to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and defensive end Joe Owens to the Seattle Seahawks in the NFL expansion draft. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Want to um, remind you about the Hangout Music Fest, which is scheduled for May 20th through 22nd. If you would like to win VIP passes to the Hangout Music Fest, all you need to do to get eligible to win that prize is go to the Website, join the game rewards club, and you might win VIP passes to the Hangout Music Festival scheduled for Gulf Shores, Alabama, May 20th through 22nd, thanks to the game Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right. So LSU baseball won big last night. They continue to hit big time. Uh, Cajun baseball had a nice performance. And one of the things that I forgot to mention um before we finished it up uh and took a phone call in the last segment was that we keep waiting for a couple of pitchers to really step up one outing does not mean you're ready to make an impact long-term impact on a team but Hayden Dirk last night went four innings Gave up two hits, one run, no walks. Struck out three and threw only 50 pitches in four innings. Wow. That would not have... um, I would not have anticipated that. The week before at Nichols, Drew Shiflett, who was 
ironically, last night's winning pitcher after only throwing two-thirds of an inning. But 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 he had a nice outing. I want to say four and two-thirds or right around four innings to go. I mean, four innings and, and, and pitched well. So, again, because a guy doesn't do anything for the first half of the season doesn't mean that his season is necessarily over. And and so we t- we tend to get a little um um you know we tend to get a little impatient as fans and media members sometimes, but um just something to keep a note of. Uh, Dirk had a really nice performance last night, as did Chipper Menor. What is that? Three in a row now, I think. Pitched an inning, struck out two, didn't allow a run, allowed one hit, but struck out two and did not allow a run. So very good um, sign there for sure uh, for a couple of pitchers who are starting to pitch well that got off to, to rocky starts this year. And Again, three and two, and if they can figure out a little pitching – I think the hitting's going to come around. I think the defense is going to be there. Still plenty of time for this team to make some hay. All right, let's go back to the game hotline and see what Joey's got to say. Hello. Hey, good morning, Kev. Good morning. We 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 kind of sniffed out the Malcolm Jenkins situation. I actually, I thought I wouldn't have been shocked if we just released him, and they may have talked to him about that before he retired. But I kind of had a feeling with some of the moves they've made that uh, his days were really numbered. So, And I don't know if it's good or bad. I, but wait, uh, but I in terms of the releasing part, though, like you got to have a plan in place to release someone. Oh, I'm with you. There's still a few safeties out there on the market. And, look, I actually thought he got off to a slow start, but I think as, as the defense settled in and his role settled in, I thought that, you know, our secondary uh, got better and better as the season went on. Obviously, I thought we were one of the top defenses in the league one, at the end of the season last year. And, I mean, you lost your other safety. So, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see what they do back there. But, frankly, we're going to have to play Chauncey Gardner. Uh, and I think that some of the moves they made, they just decided we'd rather pay him than, than Marcus Williams and – bringing in other safeties, I think. Again, I just think they knew something was up with Malcolm Jenkins, whether they were going to release him or whether he was going to retire. I think they knew that was coming down the pike, and it seems like they started to address it. Now we got to start talking, do they draft a safety? I mean, there's two really good ones. One of them isn't going to be there when we pick unless they trade up. Uh, and you, Look, you still got the honey badger out there as well, but he's more of a free safety as opposed to a strong safety, which is where Malcolm played. So we'll see. We got some cornerbacks that they could possibly convert to, but I just think we saw this coming. Oh, no, I'm not uh, surprised at all, about- but I, that doesn't mean that they've addressed it. Now, again, we don't know everything they know. I really hope whether, I mean, you know, that they can sign an, a, a veteran safety and re-sign P.J. Williams. Now, maybe that's not going to happen. But we thought P.J. Williams was going to leave before, and then he ended up staying. So Right. They- and, and, look, he, he actually, I think he found uh, his spot. I think, I mean, he was iffy as a cornerback, but I actually think, you know, as, as a safety, he was playing pretty well. I thought they should have moved so, him to safety two years before they did. I, I don't no know what argument. they were waiting for. No argument. I actually agree with that. But, again, uh, you know, at the time we were 
we were so cornerback strapped for a while, and now we can seem like we got this, you know, especially re-signing Roby, which was a pleasant surprise. I didn't think he'd be on the team, and I love having cornerback depth. And between the rookie from last year and Roby and, of, of course, Lattimore, I mean, we're, we boast a pretty pretty solid tandem of uh, of cornerbacks. Uh, so now you just got to address that safety. We got Chauncey Gardner, who I don't think they want to take out of the role he was playing. So uh, that that then you start questioning who's out there. So you got Tyrone Matthew. Did 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 Quandre Diggs sign with anybody? Yes. Yeah, he did. He did. Okay. I mean, there were there was a, a pretty decent little class of safeties on the market, but uh, the Matthews things. I don't know if he's wanting too much money right now. I, the fact that he's not signed is kind of surprising to me. So um, again, I, I just think there are options, and like I said, there's a few really good safeties. One of them should be there at 18. I just don't know if you want to spend a first-round pick on a safety. Hamilton's definitely worth the first-round pick. But um, we'll see. They they usually cover their bases before they head into uh, the draft, and they seem like they're doing that again. And remember, we signed May, so we kind of replaced Williams. And I think May's a pretty decent ball player and what we got him for a third of the price. So um, I mean they've got it. They've always had this plan in free agency, and sometimes we got to just trust them. I really wanted to call if you got a minute to talk about what we had briefly talked talked about yesterday. The owners are about to have a cow. Dude, this was we got to remember this was the first time they've actually met face to face in two years now at the owners meeting that's going on right now, and they are friggin' livid at. Cleveland and what Cleveland did with the Deshaun Watson. It's not that they signed them, it's the contract they signed, and they literally guaranteed them $230 million, which was, what, $80 million more than the closest guaranteed contract? Uh, and people don't realize when a, when a player is guaranteed money, they don't just have this pie-in-the-sky money that they'll pay the guy eventually, the team actually has to come up with that guaranteed money and put it into an escrow account. So Cleveland had to come up with $230 million and put it into escrow. Well, you got San Diego, or Los Angeles, excuse me, and Cincinnati right now looking at extensions for their two quarterbacks, and they're saying they may have to come up with $300 million in guaranteed money, which means these teams need to pop up $300 million out of thin air and put it into escrow for them. That's a lot of money, Kevin. We're, we're talking, we've, we kind of get lost in the, in the numbers because they've gotten so crazy, but to the guy that's actually got to write the check, that's a lot of money for a guy to come up with $300 million and just write a check and put it into escrow. So the owners are, the owners are, are, crazy livid right now at what Cleveland did. And that doesn't even take into account all of the baggage that Deshaun Watson has. And their contract was really crafty. I mean, if he gets suspended the way they structured the contract, all the money's on the back end anyway. But because it's guaranteed, you know, normally you could back in money and it didn't matter because you cut him and the contract was meaningless. Well, because this is guaranteed, they backloaded it and he knows he's going to get it. So he can get suspended this year. And he loses what I think. Right. Well, that, well, that's what we were saying last year. week. They should just suspend him next year. So you're right. That's if the league really wanted to make a, a, a statement and say you want to play this game, you suspend him next year, and then all of a sudden it's you know it's it's forty 
million dollars that he's sitting out and they're paying him instead of the you know losing money on a million dollars. So it's interesting. The owners are really at odds with each other right now, and it's it's a lot deeper than than just this free uh, the the overtime rule change. That kind of became a nice distraction for them. But from what I'm reading at each other's throats, the league right. and Roger Goodell's part of it right now. So it's going to be interesting. This isn't over. This offseason isn't over. Well, I hope the Cleveland Browns I hope the Cleveland Browns become the new Raiders instead of the Saints. And and the Saints can shed being the bad boy and the team that everyone uh that the NFL office anyway does doesn't like. So hope they can start hating on the Browns all they want. I'm good with that. And I kind of thought the same thing. It'll be nice yeah. to finally pass the torch on because we've definitely paid our dues. And I think yes. Sean Payton retiring, there was that, a lot of animosity yes. personally between Payton and Goodell. And I think him retiring is going to ease some of that as well. So I think you're on to something there. And that'd be yeah. nice. It'd be, it'd it, be great. It, to, it would be. It would be. I exactly. feel like everything they do is targeted at us, which we, we kind of get wrapped up in our world and it seems that way, but it's, that way, man. I, 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 absolutely. All right, Joey, got to take a break. I appreciate the call. Thank you very much. Peace, brother. I love All right. this time of year. All right. You, me too. Take care. All right. Time to take a timeout. We'll come back. UL softball coach Jerry Glasgow with our weekly interview. We'll do that next on The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Kevin Foote. An award-winning journalist, popular sports talk show host, and a man who apparently moonlights as a doctor. A medicine season of a different strand in 12, obviously, because the criminal commissioner decided to inflict them with with the, the whole bounty gate silliness. His descriptions of illnesses are extremely concise. A normal strand of a medicine season. It was a different strand. This out of the blue from Timbuktu and all of this bounty gate silliness. Dr. Foot is ready to write a prescription for what ails your favorite team here with more footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We have with us UL softball coach Jerry Glasgow running away from the weather, right, coach? Y'all, y'all, y'all drove away from the weather? Well, we're in uh we're actually just stopped at a Bucky's in Baytown, Texas. All right. So, so uh, we're uh, on our way over to Austin. And uh, don't stop and let the girls stretch her legs here for about 30 minutes. Uh, I've been to that Bucky's many times, know exactly where you are. All right. So, obviously, um, probably the mood. Well, this team, the mood never seems to get bad with the team you've got this year. But but you gotta got to really be going playing this game with more confidence than any of the other games against Texas or Alabama or, or LSU that you've played so far, I would think. Well, we're anxious to see how we responded. And I feel like we got in a better place last weekend. And, 
you know, it's it's going to be really interesting from the coaching standpoint to see how the kids come out tonight, how they compete uh, against Texas. Now, this will be their first road game. Uh, I had an opponent's field. We had the game in Youngstown against Alabama. But, uh, you know, going on the road with a bunch of freshmen to a place like Texas is, will be a good – and that's also, you know, the home state of a lot of these kids. So there's going to be a lot of people they know there, and they'll have family there, I'm sure. So the dynamics are interesting, and it'll be another opportunity to see, you know, how they respond and, and what kind of performance we can put. And obviously we need a win, and we need a win against against that type of competition. So we're excited about it and uh, looking forward to seeing how it plays out. You know, you said shortly before you played Texas uh, here in Lafayette – uh, that they were about to go on a roll, and, and boy, were you right. They haven't lost a game since. Yeah, you know, they were unranked at that time, and they haven't lost, and they're they're up to number 15, I believe, in the polls. I yes, think sir. maybe even 14. Yeah. But they're, they're top 10 team in the preseason for a very good reason. They have proven talent. Like, they have veteran talent. And uh, much like we were the last two years where – you have upperclassmen and transfers that have a history of success in college softball. So you can kind of predict and know for certain, you know, that, that they're going to be a good team at the end of the year, a team that will make a run to go to the World Series. So it, it's really good. It's a good opportunity for us. I think their RPI also was in that number 11, if I'm not mistaken, this week. So it's a, it's a good RPI game for us as well. You know, they also have a young player playing third base who is, might be one of the best players in the country over the next couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, she played for the Texas Bombers Travel Ball Organization. So, like, you know, her and Sam Landry have played probably 50, 60 games against each other over the last 8, 10 years, along with Baltram. And, I mean, they're very familiar with each other. Um and, you know, was highly ranked out of high school, you know, one of those top ten recruits, uh, and and's living up to that billing like she's really good. Um, but, you know, I, I, I'm just uh, – I'm really excited to see, you know, how our kids – I couldn't be asking for more than I'm getting out of our freshmen, Kayla Falterman, Maddie Hayden. I mean, those kids are – are really having special freshman seasons, and and I I just believe at some point it's going to translate into better things happening for our ball club as we go through this stretch. All right, uh, am I guessing right that Kendra Lamb uh, is going to start tonight, or have y'all decided in a different direction? Yeah, I think that's what we're looking at. We think it's going to take you know our staff. We we think that you'll see before the night's over we're going to have to throw both Landry and Lamb. Uh, and possibly Shoreman, uh, possibly Heath. I mean, we're, we're going to go into this thing because we got three more games in short order right behind. We don't want to go any, I don't think we want one pitcher trying to go all seven unless they're just clearly dominating. And I think that the plan that Justice come up with is to, to go from Lamb, uh, early to Landry late if we can get that opportunity to, uh, you know, to be in the game or with a, with a, you know, if we're within one run, 
are tied or have the lead, I think you'll see him go from Landry, uh, from Lamb to Landry somewhere there in the middle of the game. You know, the tricky part to me is, you know, y'all were y'all have been able to like pull Sam when she started game one and three on weekend series after about sixty or seventy pitches. The, I mean, uh, obviously it's possible you might run rule Texas State, but that's probably going to be a lot more difficult to do than, than last weekend. Yeah, no, Texas State's definitely not a team you expect to run rule. Texas State's a team I expect to have three really hard-fought games, and I think it, it's going to be hard for either team to get a sweep in that series. I think that's a, a series that you would expect going in that one team will win two, one will win one. And they'll be hard fought, close games. Um, so we know Landry's going to have to throw a lot of uh, a lot of pitches, and we we plan on, you know, we plan on sticking with that rotation this weekend. It worked good for us last weekend, <coughs> as far as the starting pitching. So just a, a Lamb, Kendra Lamb give us an outstanding performance in her last start, perfect game effort against UT Arlington, and we you know really confident in her right now. So, and it also gives us that experience. And if you go back to the last two Texas games, she took us into the fifth inning tied 2-2. We, and Landry wasn't available in game one uh, because we were waiting on her to be released based on how the, her bullpen went um, in between the two games. So, um, you know, I, if Lamb can give us a repeat performance of what she did last time, we can, we can have a really good game here tonight. All right, again, we're speaking with UL softball coach uh, Jerry Glasgow. You mentioned it again, Mon- you mentioned Monday, and you referred to it in, in passing a few minutes ago. The one player that I've been surprised about the most, maybe it's because of just not really knowing, obviously, as much as you did about her going in, is Kayla Falterman. So tell me about what she does, not just what we've seen, but even behind the scenes, like you've alluded to, that that's made her such a valuable part of this team so far. Uh, you know, when you describe Kayla, you just she's an extremely smart, fundamental player. Like her softball IQ is off the charts, and you'll see her do those little things, like you know, taking the extra base on a ball down in the dirt. If they throw a drop ball or change up in the dirt, she's already going to the next base because she reads it so well which is unusual for a freshman to be that good and that talented. <laughs> She's been extremely well coached, and she gets good reads on the outfield flies. Um, She's fast. She can steal a base when you need her to. And then she just clutched with her bat. Like, she doesn't strike out, so she's going to put the ball in play. And she's been very effective at, at moving runners and, and getting runners in when she's been given an opportunity to. So, you know, we – we're, we just feel really lucky, and we're really confident in her right now. And she's a player that we've got so much competition in those outfield spots. It's It's been a little bit tricky to get everyone out there and get them all opportunity that we want to give them. But, you know, that's what the injuries create. The injuries are, are, are a challenge for a team, but they create opportunity for a team to use the depth that you have in that, in that uh, locker room. And Baltimore was one of those kids that, Man, when she when she's given an opportunity, she's ready, and she steps out there and and just excels. And that's that's what you look for for from your ball club is you know when you get the opportunity, 
use it, take advantage of it, and use it to benefit the team as well as make a statement about who you are. And Taylor's done an excellent job. All righty, Coach. Well, I'm going to let you go get you a barbecue beef sandwich or a little beef jerky or whatever you like to get at, at Bucky's there. Well, we appreciate your time, and uh, and good luck tonight in Austin. Okay. Thank you, Kevin. All right. Thank you, Coach. UL Coach Jerry Glasgow. Sounds like Kayla's the kind of player that's going to help you win a close game. And the truth of the matter is the Cajuns haven't played that many close games this year. Not like, you know, a lot of years. And, and – um, so it'll be interesting to continue to monitor her and the impact she can have on on this team. All right. We'll take our final timeout. Come back, finish out today's show on the game. 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Kevin Foote is a walking, talking encyclopedia of New Orleans Saints history. No, seriously. After that is 2013, which I call the forgotten Saints season because in so many people's mind, the Saints streak of good football ended with the Bounty Gate season. And it's not just recent history either. In 88, they finished 10 and 6, tied for first place in the division, did not make the playoff because they got cheated by a blind official named Fred Silver who absolutely cheated, uh, stole a game on Sunday night in a 13 to 12 loss to the Giants with his either blindness and ineptness or cheating or whatever you want to call it. I think he was just blind and senile. We return to the man who's forgotten more Saints history than you will ever know. Kevin Foote. And footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Standing in the rain with his head hung low, couldn't get a ticket, it was a sold out show. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. All right. The big news of the day is that Malcolm Jenkins has retired. The first thought for a lot of fans, I would say probably most, is all right, are they going to sign Tyron Matthew? There's another Louisiana product. Uh, who didn't go to LSU, but is from Louisiana, uh, that is still a free agent, free safety, about the same age as Tyron Matthew, and that's Landon Collins. Uh, to my knowledge, he, is, he, was a, he was released in a salary cap move by Ray's commanders, and he is um, not signed that I had any memory of, I tried to see. I mean, like, I don't remember hearing that Landon Collins was signed. I think that's a possibility. Kareem Jackson is another one, a little bit older. Rodney McLeod from the Eagles, a little bit older, not as old as Kareem Jackson. So there are, my point is, there are still some veteran free agent safeties that um, have played good football, and out there now, and I would think that they would not want maybe as much money as a Tyron Matthew, but we'll, you know, we'll wait and see how that plays. So uh, 
you know, if if the Saints can sign one of these veterans who's on the market still and hopefully re-sign P.J. Williams to, to add to the safety depth, then I will feel good. Because to Joey's point, Malcolm didn't play well earlier last year. You wonder how close he is to missing a step from what he was even two years ago. So that might be playing into all of this. Um, So we'll see how that plays out. But again, there are, it's not just Tyron Matthew is my point. That's, that's out there. And, you know, I don't know if Tyron, I don't know what kind of money suppose, so say he wants, but, but um, they just need, they need, like we discussed earlier, they need to, to, to sign one or two veteran safeties. And if they want to draft a safety, um, you know, in the second or third round, maybe the first, but probably would be the second or third round. Then, then, you know, that, that, that's good too. Um, you know, for, for, for depth moving forward. So no, but it's definitely something to uh, monitor over the next three or four weeks until, we get to the draft again as things are starting to take shape a little bit so you know for a while there was no saints news and everybody was getting real jittery and nervous and and struggling with that but uh not all the news is necessarily good but we'll see how it works out with the safety situation moving forward because again this is a plus defense but safeties can really if you don't get good safety play could really mess up what could be a good defense. So these are very important moves. No question about that. Um, I'm worried that that P.J. Williams is going to want two or three-year deal and they're not going to want to give him a three-year deal instead of, a you know, the years much like um, when Marquise Valdez-Scantling became an issue. I'm worried that the years part could be an issue with P.J. as well. So we'll see how. All of that plays out again. UL, UL UNO's baseball game tonight has been officially canceled. All right. Appreciate all the phone calls. Appreciate Coach Morgan coming on and Coach Glasgow. Uh, y'all have a nice day and stay safe in the bad weather. The state goes on,